This is Faith Over Breakfast with Andy and Eric, who on some occasions don't actually have any breakfast and don't even have coffee. Thanks. So, this is Faith Over Breakfast with Eric and Andy. I'm sitting at the table with Rod, who's my co-pastor at The Village. Andy, who's pastor at Mission Church. We just talked about denominations. We talked for 48 minutes and then... Yep. Yeah, it was 48 minutes about denominations. Yep. And there's uh, so about half of that is our journey. And so if you just don't give a rip, you can skip past half this podcast. Or if you care about us and have a heart, you can listen to that too. And then the, the second half is we're kind of going back and forth on the ups and downs and is it worth it? And, um, you know, what's uh, why, why do we think they're good and why are we on the fence? Yeah. And the reason that Rod's sitting with us, other than we love him, is he He's was the part of the Kickstarter oh, okay. of your book. Oh, yeah. And, sure. yes, and so yeah, part right. of it was getting to be on the podcast. But I'd like to just, if I wanted to get your book, oh. how do I get your book? Uh, Amazon.com, The Little Man. And if you type my last name, Littleton, in, it'll pop it'll up pop a lot up. faster. So You won't have to scroll down. I know that you have connections. At the local Christian bookstore. I'm curious, is your book going to end up at Gospel Supplies? You know, I haven't even talked to him about it. But I know Winston will put it in there. I think it. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. I. You know what? The thing is, I, I got back, I ordered a batch, and I know people have ordered it on Amazon, but um, my mom, you know, sent me back a book with a whole bunch of markings. So when I went in and applied edits, I made other mistakes, basically. <laughs> I copied and pasted and fixed something and then messed up something else. And so I've submitted a fixed manuscript. So if uh, before I'm like giving it to bookstores, I kind of wanted to have it in a better state. Awesome. Yeah. So it, and if you get one of these old messed up ones, it, you know it, the value, on. right? Imagine. I mean, think of those baseball cards that <laughs> had the misspelled names and how much they're worth. It's probably an exact parallel to what's yeah. going to happen here. Yeah. Not just one. But two mistakes uh, on the cover alone. On the cover, <laughs> oh my and that's goodness. and that's already been remedied. The cover is already uh, resubmitted. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think to spell check the people who uh, who endorsed the book. You know, I, I <laughs> and the one endorsement that didn't have a, an error was Rod's. Of course, right. So there you yes. go. But yeah, Amazon.com. Get your uh, imperfect copy while they're still available. Awesome. Well, this is Faith Over Breakfast, Season 2, Podcast Number 43. Well, it's good to have you guys here. We are now recording. Are we live? We are. Oh, and wow. um, yeah, so we got Rod Hugan on the on the podcast this morning. Rod is the co-pastor of The Village. We uh, outnumber Eric. you today. Yeah, and I've outnumbered you a couple times. Yes, you have. So it's, it's only fair that we do this. Yes, for um, once. For once. I, I want to talk to to you two about denominations today because Rod is the denominational man. There's the, <laughs> there's the company man, and Rod is the denominational man. Um, so yeah, I think I think we've all had different different journeys with with denominations. So let's briefly kind of try to define what those are. Um, I, I here's what I think they are. I think I've never been an official pastor in one, though I've been a congregant in many. Rod has been in, he's a lifer. Uh, and true. Eric, you say you've been in more denominations than the rest of us. Yes, so let's start with you, Eric. All right. So I started out in the evangelical 
uh, what do you call it? EV free? So yeah. the free the free people. The free people, yeah. And then I moved to the uh, oh, what are those? The Brethren. So I was in the Brethren. Yeah. For, for like seven years. Yeah. And then no sisterin, just the Brethren. Just the Brethren. Then we moved to and became members of the Southern Baptists because mm-hmm. that was the only denomination in town. So. That was only denomination in town. Yeah, there was uh, not a lot of churches in Miami Globe, Arizona. When oh, I was. Miami. Yeah, yeah, maybe there was a tiny Catholic. There was a tiny Catholic parish where Father yeah. Harry, who is over at uh, St. Pius, right? I think. Oh, he was in Globe. He was in Globe. Seriously? Yeah, my dad I didn't and him know that. were friends. What? Pretty close. Um, so, and then uh, moved to non-denominational, back to Brethren. Back to E Free, Evangelical Presbyterian, Conservative Baptist, and now I am an ordained minister in the Christian Reformed Church, and I'm a pastor of an interdenominational. So not non-denominational, week. but interdenominational. It really is interdenominational in the way that it, because we have people who are on staff who have some affiliation with the Methodist Free Methodist Church. Oh, that's right. We have. The two of us ordained in the Christian Reformed Church. We have a chaplain who's, I guess, ordained in the village. I mean, that's where he gets his ordination to work right. as a chaplain. So we got three kind of modes going there, at least, at the village. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then uh, Rod, the denominational man, what's your what's your journey? Well. It's not so much of a journey as you just get born into it and then you never leave <laughs> and it. That's so, that, yeah. Right. Um, he had no place to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in in Pella, Iowa, there were two denominations um, where I was born. Um, really, I mean, there were a couple other churches, but there were multiple Christian Reformed churches, and then there were the Reformed Church in America. Mm. And lots of variety. <clears throat> there were great battles between the two because who was more righteous and more holy and better and all that. Right. And you should not date um, RCA <laughs> girls if you're a CRC boy and Oof. vice versa. So um, so I grew up, spent the first eight years at um, in the Pella Christian Reformed Church. Actually, it was second Christian Reformed Church after the first one, and the second uh, had right. broken off from the first because of some schism and the, you know, some whatever. And uh, this is the kind of stuff where somebody, somebody born, you know, around in the '80s or something when I was, or the set, they would have been done with this whole situation already. Right. 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 Everything you're describing, they would have gone. This is garbage. This is stupid. Yeah. Right? And it was. And. Um, <laughs> But then I moved to Phoenix, and then you realize you look for what you know, right? Yeah. So we were part of the Phoenix Christian Reformed Church and um, went to the Phoenix Christian Grade School that was started by the um, Christian Reformed folks in, in Phoenix. We started new churches, a church in Scottsdale and a church in West Phoenix, or, uh, yeah, West Phoenix and then a, later a church in Chandler and all that kind of stuff. And it was all about... Um, being with the people you know, um, yeah. b- being with people who are familiar, having familiar names, having a common history. So that was, um, and then I, at some point I revolted, I think, because um, I'm a contrarian, so if you tell me it has to be a certain way, I think, no, it doesn't have to be that way. And um, in the midst, I had my midlife crisis, and rather than buy a, 
red convertible or get a new wife, I decided to um, have an encounter with God and go out and start a church, even though I didn't have any knowledge of how to do that. And <clears throat> along with some friends, um, we formed a church in North Phoenix um, and got funding from the Christian Reformed Church denominationally. And So it was a Christian Reformed Church? It, in certainly... Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. But not the way that the Christian Reformed Church at that time would have thought was Christian Reformed. Yeah. And so we hired a Christian Reformed guy from Cleveland, Ohio, to come um, be our pastor, and he led us. And then he kind of invited me to preach and speak and do, and that just turned into this whole journey that ended up with me getting sent to Tucson to plant a church. I came down, failed miserably, met Eric. And we decided to fail together, and um, and you've been failing together, and we've ever been since. failing together ever since. <laughs> and uh, and now, and, and, you know, you two are both ordained in the Christian Reformed Church, though the village is not an official um, Christian. You're like sent on loan to the village, which is a unique situation. Yeah, there was some recognition early on that I was not planting a Christian Reformed church. Yeah. I was planting a church, but not a Christian Reformed church, um, whatever that meant. Right, we're, right. we're never really clear on that. But um, And so while there was a general enthusiasm for what we were doing, there was not general enthusiasm for the idea that it would be a Christian Reformed gathering. So at some point, my credentials in the Christian Reformed Church were actually challenged by my calling church, which would have meant that the funding would have dried up and all the other things that were offered would be would go away. And so I stood before the regional gathering, which is called a classis in mm-hmm. the Christian Reformed Church, and um, and basically said, "Yes, you're right. It's not going to be a Christian Reformed Church." But let me tell you the story of what's going on and what God's doing. And so did, and I looked up, and they decided rather than to suspend my credentials or take them away, they they agreed to continue them and then loan me to right. the church that I had planted. And at the same time, the church that I had planted, the village, um, or helped plant, was... Um, was declared to be a really cool mission effort and something that we could support. And the village loans me to the Christian Reformed Church on occasion <laughs> to do things. And you actually now have a you have a position in the denomination as well. So you're kind of in a way working for the CRC Christian Reformed Church and the village. One one of the most interesting parts of all this was I was the president of the board of home missions for the Christian Reformed Church. Yeah when my church was not part of the Christian yeah. Reformed Church. Yeah. Um, I served right. on the board um, of the denomination dealing with um, mission aspects of it for eight years. And on, in that entire eight years, I was not, um, I was my church wasn't Christian Reformed, but I was. And so um, served in that. And then um, they did a whole bunch of changing around, and I walked away for my time was up as as uh, lead, leading them that. And then um, I was hired um, by the regional director to kind of help um, start churches and oversee mission in the region, which was kind of the center of the United States at that point. 
Um, and then, and now Classos employs me, Classos Arizona employs me half time to help raise up leaders and plant churches and help churches grow and do lots of other things that denominations require. And, <laughs> which um, is how I got to know you because. Which is how you got to know me. You hung out with me and. And I thought, wow, this guy just loves to buy me breakfast. And then pretty quickly realized, no, this is the Christian Reformed Church, church that loves to buy you breakfast. And uh, through Rod, <laughs> which was which is cool, which meant a lot to me, honestly. So, um, and I just want to say that every time you get together, you should all thank me. Oh, right, thank for you for putting the two of you together. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. I just right. want credit somewhere for this beautiful relationship that's happened. And I visited the village when we were getting ready to plant our church that's and Eric true. said, you know, you should really talk to Rod and Yeah. And, and I did uh, and then we had breakfast what the next day or a couple days later. Yeah. I was uh and I was in this really busted up place where um my plan had been to get four church planters to move to Tucson to start four new Christian reformed churches and all that had failed miserably. I mm. couldn't find any church planters who were willing to come to Tucson. And so I had kind of at that point decided, you know what, I'm just going to find local people who are already planting churches and pour gas on their fire and see if we can get some stuff going. So, so you looked for someone that seemed desperate. And then, desperate. And then, and then you walked in and I thought, that's, a, so that, that's the perfect let's guy. Let's talk about the success because right now you have a status in the Christian Reformed Church. I do. Actually, let me let me give my little story, yeah, though. So let's get and your then story let's, let's in, because I that. think this is important. It is interesting. Because so. this has now all of a sudden become a Christian Reformed podcast. Has it? It kind of <laughs> has, very second. It? Oddly <laughs> right. enough, we Go all have our roles in Tell the Christian us, Reformed Church. Tell us, Andy, about the, your journey in, in denominationalism. Yeah, so I've actually never to this day been ordained in any kind of uh Christian denomination, and usually, you know, ordination is getting that stamp of approval that you're going out on our behalf. So I never. So, so can I ask you a question about yeah. that? Because that's interesting, uh, and then go back. To yeah, yeah. Story. But so you are, I'm assuming, ordained. Yeah, by in the mission by our church. Yes, by our okay. local church, and we went through a formal good process. Yeah. For that, which probably actually maybe that needs to be uh, said, you know, in some meeting coming up, you know, with anyway, that's a whole side note. But yeah, I, I am formally ordained at our church. Yes. Which is, yeah. Be- because like, just to, so to pause, because I don't think people understand this, that there are two streams when it comes to an, a, a denomination. One yeah. is what that denomination believes and its yep. belief structures. But when it's looked at by the government, Right. The government looks at the Christian Reformed Church as huge thing, and Mission Church it as, looks at them the exact as the same, same thing. Yeah, there is a church body yes. that then has to you know, have some kind of credentialing. Yeah, credentialing, and so yeah, so our church before so I we formed it, and I tried to look at what what you know the the state looks for, and 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 just kind of what seemed to be a biblical pattern. And so our we established membership of our church first, which was very small. We we were kind of looked more like a like a Bible study, and said to these people, "Do you you know, view yourselves as as a church?" And they all, you know, we went through a process, and they all affirmed that, and then became the members of Mission Church. And then um, the members of Mission Church, you know. Or like called me, and uh, and ordained me to be the the pastor of Mission Church. 
Somebody's trying to join our podcast. Yeah, somebody's trying to join the podcast. Yeah, they want to real bad. That's okay. That's, you know, I understand. They want to do that. But, um, but yeah, that's so right. Exactly. The big, the big denomination and the little church in the eyes of the the government, the state are kind of the same. They're kind of the same. Yeah. So you started out young. Where? Where was your first? Yeah, so the the where I started out was in the Pentecostal church. It's what I was kind of born into, the Assembly of God uh, specifically. I almost want to like edit edit this part out or something, but because yeah. I don't know how long dude's going to stand right next to the window we talking on the phone. We should just go out there. and say, "Hey, do you think?" Do it. Go yeah. for it. Can we we can cut this little piece, right? Oh, you guys could just talk. I'll go ask him. Oh, I can't get out of this thing. I'll chop it. You'll chop it? I'll All chop right, it. Just edit it later. Yeah, just this part. Nobody no, nobody wants to listen to this. He's going to be gone. He will be, right? Wow. Sit right there. Of course, we decided to do that. We should have just kept going. It's easier if you just stream it all this one. And you'll just chop it. It's around the like 13, 14 minutes. I'll find it. Okay. First, I'll probably totally forget. It'll be for now, but yes, I'll right. <laughs> Ask me that question where did I start? Where did you start? This whole denominational journey. This. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so my family when I was when I was born, we were going to a Pentecostal church. We were in the Assembly of God, um, and that was because my mom had been uh, had come to Christ in the Pentecostal church. My dad was actually grew up Lutheran, um, so my experience in the Assembly of God was never one of being like a real insider because my family was kind of divided on the whole thing. So my dad, you know, the whole like expressive stuff in the Assembly of God, he didn't really connect with it, but he was okay with going as long as nobody made him run around and speak in tongues. And if he could sit in the back and take it easy and nobody give him a hard time, he was fine. And so we did that when I lived in uh, in Oregon as a kid. We came to Tucson, jumped into the Assembly of God Church and went, this is different because the small town version of, of what we went to <laughs> was different. very different than what we encountered here um, in, in Tucson. And uh, we even my mom was not quite able to go there with a, it was, it was more expressive. And I don't know if that has to do with uh, what happens when people, you know, leave Catholicism, especially Hispanic population and enter into something that allows that kind of expression. And it just goes further. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but then we, um, we went on a journey where we, we got into a large Southern Baptist church that looked much more like a non-denominational megachurch. Um, I then uh, met a girl I liked and ended up in the uh, Church of God, which is kind of the Wesleyan holiness movement. Um, Do you know? Could you remember if it was Cleveland or uh, it was Anderson, 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 Anderson Indiana. Indiana? Yeah, yep. And uh, and but I never, you know, they don't. They say they don't have membership um, there, though. I think they kind of do in in a, I mean, in their own unique way. Uh, and so I never really joined that church. That was the first church I was on staff at, actually. Um, from there, I went to I went to Chicago to do an urban ministry um, training school that was there, 
and I was an intern at a Christian Reformed church there. Um, and then came home. I worked at the Salvation Army, which is itself kind of in the Wesleyan uh, holiness tradition, and I was a youth director there. And then I uh, got a job at a Presbyterian church, a PCA, Presbyterian Church in America. And then from and then did a church plant of the PCA and then ended up uh, starting our church with just some friends kind of outside of any denomination. So that's my little... Well, yeah. good. This, the, I'm pretty sure this podcast is done. We've, We're done. We're now done. you know. Now you know my journey. But but that interesting thing you tack onto the end there is, as of recently, I've. Uh, I mean, and and I'm really uh, really honored by this. But the Christian Reformed Church has and had taken me into their missions wing, if you will, uh, which is called Resonate, and has given me a position called the Mission Network Developer. Um, which is new, a new position. This really came through breakfast with Rod and his friends because um, that, that new position is trying to, uh, let's see if I could say this right, like connect um, community, church, business, world uh, together, building relationships, building networks, uh, hence the title. And that's something I just do already. So, And I'm kind of responsible for that, right. j- just so yes, you know, sir. not not – not for anything locally recently, yeah. but way back when I was chairman of the board or president of the board of home missions, we decided that we were going to pursue joining the um, home missions, which is mission in the United yeah. States and Canada, the d- denominations in, in the United States and Canada. We were going to meld that and blend that with world missions, which was everywhere else that wasn't Canada and the United States, seeing it seemed silly to not to have two different agencies. And so we were going to put those two agencies together. Right. And eventually, over 15-year period, that happened, and they formed Resonate yeah. Global Mission. And um, and so, in some ways, I got to help shape that yeah. early on, at least push the denomination in that direction. And um, so, and even in the regional work that I did, there was always that push to try to join um, those two agencies. Then that, and then out of that was there's really two kinds of church planters there's you know really the sort of traditional church planter that goes in and and starts gathering people into a group and right. and starts worship services and then there's more i i think what you see in the world mission uh, thing a lot where you go in and you help build wells and you work in a town or a, and you you know grow crops and you do things yeah in the in the community first and then you start out of that, you start forming a community of that that becomes a church. So it's really kind of the way things start differently. Um, yeah. But but to meld those two, and that created the position. That second part right. obviously created the position that you're now holding, and um, it's kind of cool to see that in some ways to be in the either way you're in the community and you have to be. And right. So so it seems the wave of the future for the at least in the Christian Reformed, and as, and especially so, and which is I think a new thing in the states. Um, it, right. it used to be that that was the strategy you needed to, you felt like you needed to have when you were um, elsewhere, especially in developing countries and, and such things. But now the recognition is 
you don't just you know declare you're starting a church in the United States and it's huge anymore. Not everywhere. In some regions, yes. Right. But not everywhere. And so the need to take that strategy that was used on the mission field and apply it in the United States has been seen. Um, so that's okay. So we're about halfway through our podcast. That's our journey. I want to now I want to kind of I want to apply this to some degree because I, I, I know we all, in a way, like Eric, you and I have been on the fence about how, like, how tied to a denomination our churches should be. Rod, you've been having this discussion with us both. Well, he's on the fence. Yeah. So I don't think that's fair. No, no, true. (laughs) That's true. So so let's talk about the ups and downs. Like, let's talk about, I I think, for the second half, and we can tell people when we announce it that, you know, the second half has this feel to it. But, you know, what what is it that, why should we, um, you know, when we feel pulled toward being a part of a denomination, why is that? And why, when we feel like we, we shouldn't, like we should, you know, turn tail and run, <laughs> why do we feel that way? And um, maybe we can come to some kind of, you know, at least at least share all that, why, why it's a battle, why it's kind of a push-pull um, for all of us. So, I don't know. Eric, you've, having had this journey you've had, you know, being sure. ordained in several denominations, seeing your parents involved in several denominations. Right. What what scares you about it? What, what makes you go? I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Well, I think there are two things. One, even for somebody who does not know anything about Jesus, and they're being introduced. Yeah, being part of a denomination is one more level. Yep. So you have to explain, and as soon as you attach yourself to that denomination, they can type it into the massive dictionary yep. of the internet and, and look to, up all its baggage and label yeah, you real quick well, and right? label you but also like it's a bigger tribe and, and they're going to start saying well do you believe this do you believe this right and you don't have a lot of uh control over you know kind of articulating what you believe because it's being articulated for you yep um and i've have you had the experience where i've had a lot of people here in tucson say you know, what den- are you a part of a denomination? Like yes. people outside Ask of the that church. question all the time. And when I say non-denominational, that seems to be disarming. People go, oh, okay. Yes. And even though I, we all know non-denominational could mean a million different things and isn't necessarily, doesn't it doesn't mean there's no tribe involved here. Right. But, but to people in general, that's, I've found a good thing. They yes. go, oh, good, you're non-denominational. Yes. Yeah. And then the other aspect of it is, is that I think people who have grown, been Christians for a while, maybe they've kind of done the little jump around that you yeah. and I have done, um, and they're now in a community that they really love and they feel connected to. They don't know how it's then connected to all their other brothers and sisters, and they don't know how to connect. So they all already have sort of this feeling of disconnection because that's the way de- what denominations create is right. it just well you're lutheran we're and over you're here, presbyterian kind of what rod was describing the, sure the little word this one's better and here's yeah. why well and you would oh well this is wesleyan holiness right. oh this is calvinist so now we've yeah. got code words to each yep. denomination like yep. you know what wesleyan holiness Yep. I just broke my own rule when I right. threw that out and didn't define it. You didn't, didn't define I? it, right? Oh, and you're always man. making. Me so why do didn't that. you make make me Be- define it? Because I think people should get a Google it. Get they, a Google. Get a Google, and they can figure it out. <laughs> but so I think that so all of a sudden they but they want connection and they want accountability, and so right. that's the because they want to be connected to something bigger, right? And so denominations at this point 
most of them are dying yeah. or, or slowly eroding. They don't right. know how to reach the culture, still provide a connection to something bigger. Yep. And people long for that. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, there's the connection to something bigger. One of the big things that I talked to, to Rod about early on was this sense that I think I've been one of the most um, uncommitted non-denominational guys. I've I've seen I think especially my journey in the Presbyterian Church in America. You know, I was that was that was the most formal denomination I'd ever been a part of. Yeah. And but I saw I saw the headache of having to deal with all the different you know meetings and all the stuff. But then I also saw that denomination save churches from themselves, um, from their downward spiral where they were having a little riff or whatever. And and that body, the larger you know body of of elders of of various churches in the region, which in the Christian Reformed Church is called the Classis, and the Presbyterian Church is called the you know the Presbytery. Um, or was that right? Actually, I forget. That's right. Um, but they they would, you know, surround that church, help them discern, pray for them, work with them. And I, I saw that and went, wow, that's really good because things could have gone real, you know, sideways and really hurt some people, and this bigger body has helped with that. So I, I look at that and I went, that's that kind of accountability is good, and you see a lot of these big non-denominational churches who – you know, just kind of, you know, nobody really can tell the pastor no um, right. or whatever, and and that hasn't seemed wise to me. Um, and so, I've kind of longed for some kind of bigger connection and some and th- that accountability structure and sure. all of that. Even though I'm, I've it's hard for me to land in one and say everything you say is exactly what I will say. That's been the hardest part. Right. So, like, Rod, what would you say, like, so, because you said you're born into it, so we know that, and, and not, no other denomination has been able to tempt you out and draw you. So, in the Christian Reformed Church, and I, I this is compelling podcasting, I know, for our listeners, but I think it is. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. In the Christian yeah. Reformed Church, as someone who's grown up in it, watched its, you know, highs, its lows, its where it's at now, like, what... What do you think about it as a denomination, and then in general, sort of the future of denominations? What's what's good and what's going wrong? What needs to change? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm not sure that there is a future for denominations. Period. I, but there is a future for something that replaces it because right. one of the things a denomination does is give you a much broader context than your local ministry. And I think, um, and it does, you know, use who protects you from your church and who right. protects your church from you. Well, a denomination helps you with those kinds of things. and If it's functioning. If it's yeah. functioning well, right, which it doesn't necessarily do. I'm not editing that out. No. <laughs> and, but there's, there's also um, a, I, I think one of the struggles for me growing up in it is that, uh, and I was tempted. I married a 
conservative Baptist girl. So uh, yeah, that was that's even worse than the RCA girl. <laughs> there, there, was, there was great de- uh, from her sermon on Sunday. She's pretty reformed. She moved to you. <laughs> and she did. She she did uh, to her great credit and and honor her because that was a that was a really tough thing for her. Um, and I, so I think there is that denominational loyalty. And I wonder sometimes if I'm loyal just out of it's easier, or right. am I loyal because and I think this goes to what Eric was saying as well, but um, all the great lessons I've learned in my life have been when I've submitted to someone else's way, not when I've forged my own. And yeah. and all the great lessons I've learned have been when I've gone through suffering and struggle, not when I've been doing great and life is grand and it's all working the way I thought it should. Um, I think God teaches us something in submission and so to submit to someone else, I think, particularly culturally, that's unheard of. Um, right. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for my body. I know what's best for my mind. I know what's best for my mental health. I know everything that's best for me. And I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true biblically, but I think we live that way. And so the denomination comes along and says, well, you have to believe this. And I'm going, eh, no, I don't believe that anymore. Or I don't want to believe that. Or I don't like that. Or so, so while I agree with 90% maybe of what the Christian right. Reformed Church stands for, I don't believe in all 100%. And there are things that really frustrate me. And I'm actually confronting some of those things now as, as we've been kind of walking this journey, which is yeah. um, how do I, how do I help people um, walk into something that's really hard to walk into. And I know by nature, denominations have structures. That's the point, right? right. There's structure to a body. Um, but our bodies have structures too. We have, you know, we have to have skeletons or we just flop around right. and do nothing. And so, um, so I think there's something beautiful about those structures, but when they become oppressive, which they tend to do, um, then it's really, then then they just hurt us and, instead of help us. And don't you think part of the problem? I mean, this is because I'm actually you know working through the the process of getting examined to become um, you know an ordained minister. So that's that's new outside of us doing that in, at the church. Um, but I think part of the the push pull there and the struggle is that. A lot of these systems were developed, you know, in early early America, you know, post Reformation stuff like that, and the systems seem to okay, be. Okay, I guess stop here. Whoa. So whoa. Can, can you explain post Reformation? What do you mean? By the, that? Just this... the Protestant Reformation, fifteen okay. hundreds Europe. Um, a lot of our denominations came when churches uh, st- ceased to be state churches and established their own identities, and then the. Migration of people to the new world, as we call, uh, as we could call the United States of America, caused, caused kind of a splintering of those denominations, and then divisions in America, such as the Civil War, tended to split those denominations down the center, and they re- and they multiplied again. And some of those have discussed reunification afterwards. Most have not, but but the but a, you know that's I guess. Is that a, that's, a, a decent summary? Sure, brilliance right there. Good wow, job. Thanks. You passed your examination. <laughs> wow. Believe the Lord. We can move on to the next question of your exam. Yeah. Oh, great, great, great. Oh, am I am I doing okay? I think so. Good. Good. Are you going to let me in? Yeah, we'll let you in. But it, it seems like the systems um, 
you know, I think one of the questions I've heard, and I talked to a Presbyterian guy about this recently, is so say say somebody um, from you know like an uneducated part of town becomes a Christian and really wants to be a pastor. The system in the PCA is so difficult as to it, it would make it very near impossible. I mean, for somebody who didn't have a lot of money. Uh, to go get the proper credentials and wasn't able to just dedicate years of their life to study to get in. Um, And so it seems like the systems were created when the assumption was, you know, you became a professional clergyman, um, and that was step one. And then once you had the credentials to be a professional clergyman, you got, you know, sent off to your position. At least that was the case in a lot of the high church models, which were like, you know, where everything was more professionalized. And then there were the Baptist churches that rejected that and said, no, anybody can form a church that we're, we're going to have freedom here. But um, but it seems like the systems are built around being very educated, having a lot of information, right? And so they kind of exclude some people who really might believe what you believe these days, but be- people aren't looking for leadership that way anymore. Um, you can start a YouTube channel and have all kinds of influence right now, you know, without having any credential. So it's like it denominations feel like they were built for a certain time in a certain way that may not be working anymore. Um, and is that should they change? How much should they change? That's the difficult question. But then how do we speak to like one of the cool things about being part of the Christian Reformed Church is you have um, World Renew, which yeah. used to be the Christian yes. Reformed World Relief Committee, which was which is this incredibly right. cool agency that goes and does disaster relief all around the world and takes care of. I mean, it and 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 so when you give to them, whatever ninety some huge percent of your money goes to the actual cause right. and very little to any overhead of any kind. And you know, I. I think, like, how do you? How would I do that if right. I'm a little independent church that's just starting and I have all my little beliefs in here? Like, I can't. Uh, and yes, I can go online and try to join some grouping that does those kinds of things. But then there's, then there's all the research that's required to go into. Is this a legitimate one? Is this a, just a sham? Is and are we a, on the same page? Are the and same are we going to bump blah, into blah, some? Blah, blah. Sure. And so those are those are always you know, so. There's just a lot more research. Which is why required. the the Baptists who were all going to be independent ended up deciding they had to have an association right. exactly because they had <laughs> right. to get like minded people together right. so they could do stuff like that right. together. Right. And we have had that. We want to be this active church in the community, but our resource pool is so small. Right. Um, and yeah, whereas in a in something like a denomination, this superstructure funding really great work right. that they can pull together on is that's incredible. Yeah, uh, but I do think I, I, I agree with Rod's argument, but I also think it's kind of like, well, okay, I want to start a hamburger stand. Or sure. I want a, a restaurant. Am I going to drum up the money and you know, okay, I'm going to get the mid level. I'm going to get a Burger King, or am I going to buy a McDonald's franchise? Or am I going to start my own homegrown thing? Now, there's a lot right. of benefits and support to being a Burger King, a, a McDonald's. A, you get all out. the branding. You get all the yes. recipes. Everything yes. is set. Impact all over the place. People but know I lose are. a little bit of my originality. Right. I'm forced into a box. Creativity is contained at certain right. level. Um, whereas if I decide to start my own thing, my own hamburger thing, I can make whatever burger I want. You can put peanut butter on them. I can put peanut butter on them, yeah. And and I can express myself a little bit differently, and so that's why Shibata. people are are even 
want, you know, that's why we have then a business association. So I'm associated with the pizza guy. I'm associated with, you know, and we're different and we can support each other, but we're not, we're not in a, like, you have to believe this about cooking. We do follow some basic rules, right? right, About hygiene and all our, how you do it all. We have to obey the law. So I do think there is those two things, even in the denominational part of things is, well, and that's the approach we took as a church was we we didn't want to be lone rangers. We didn't want to be by ourselves. So we joined uh, the Gospel Coalition and we joined the Surge Network. And these were groups of churches in which we had the umbrella was maybe not as wide and or as narrow and specific as a right. denomination. But we had an understanding where we can host things together, do things together, meet together. We're on the same page. And people could look at those things and say, what's the general flavor of their theology and understand? So we weren't just a complete anomaly. So that's how we did that. But those structures don't offer any actual, like, they can't say no to me. Right. Right? Like, I associate right. with them um, because I want to, and I can disassociate with them if it is expedient, right? And they can't they can't say, you are hurting people, you must stop. They They have no say. And a lot of denominations aren't really doing that, but they could. And, and if you go if if you go into a small town and there's a McDonald's and then there's Eric's peanut butter peanut butter burgers. Um, <laughs> Eric's peanut, peanut butter burgers. <laughs> That's what we're starting. That's my new business. Um, I, I think that th- there's two kinds of people, right? There are people who go Oh wow, cool! A local yeah. thing. I'm gonna go eat peanut butter burgers, and I've always wanted to try those. I've heard about it, um, and, yeah. and and it costs you like eight dollars to get your peanut butter burger, right? Yeah, that's See, without already, the size. He's, he's already got his menu and schedule. Oh, well, that's yeah. important, right? right. That, that, that there's a cost to right, right, that much right. local. But right. then there's other kinds of people who go. Where's a safe place to eat in this town? Ooh, peanut butter burgers. Ugh, God, I have no well idea. Yeah, that could be horrible. Or I got Burger three kids, and, and, and right, we need to right, feed all three right, of them. So we're going to McDonald's, and they got a play, and they got a playground besides. Yeah, and Eric certainly doesn't have a playground. No playground at peanut butter. Not burgers. very excited about having a whole bunch of little kids running around. So, so there is that, like right, and, and but there, are two people, right very different in what they're looking for, go yep. and find those things. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with small independent churches that do all these things. But I think, um, but then you see when they grow up and get big. I mean, look at the Bill Hybels thing with with Willow Creek or look at look at what happens to these mega church pastors when when no one, by the way, Bill Hybel started out in the Christian Reformed Church. He grew up in the Christian Reformed yeah. Church and they didn't allow him to just go and do his own Maybe thing. they knew something we did. <laughs> exactly. And so hmm. <clears throat> so um but now there's you know there's all kinds of pain and and then who and the big thing is who could tell him no? Who could right. who could stop him? Um who who could say okay. And and in theory in those churches it's it's the council or the elders right. could say no so, but but they're usually built around but can I, a big personality who right. sways them. Right. Can I give an example? So I, I worked at the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which yeah. is sort of the moderate of what you were part of, right? right? The Presbyterian Church. And I was in a church where the pastor decided that he was no longer um, even cut out to be a pastor. Right. Which, from my experience, was utterly untrue. He was probably one of the best pastors mm-hmm. I've ever had in my life. Yeah. 
and including me. Matter of fact, particularly including it's so me. much better than Rod. <laughs> right. No, but he was just. I loved him. He loved my family. He was yeah. just an amazing guy. Um, and supposedly, all this power to the denomination is there, but the denomination still, when they came in, couldn't say to him, "No, you can't leave." Right. right. They, they there's a, there's a limit. There's to a it. limit to their power. There is. Right. Um, but they could have removed him, which is kind of funny to me. They can't. You can't tell someone. Like, hey, so we as a body, they can say, we're asking you not to. Yeah. We're trying to compel you not to, but this is still your choice. But if he said, I'm staying, you can't get rid of me, they could have said, oh, yes, we can. Right. We have the power to do that. So I think that's really an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The power only is it only, only so much. It only go, And it only goes one way. It's in the removal process. It's not in the, we're going to come in and. Ask for a certain level of, of, you know, submission from you. Well, there might be some denominations where, I mean, there are the denominations, including the CRC to some degree, where it's not so much you go where you want, but you are sent. Um, and there, there probably are some denominations sure. who, who are a little more like... Yes, well, the Free Methodists have that. Actually, the Salvation Army were, you know, you didn't, you didn't choose when to go or, you know, you... You were sent, and you stayed as long as they said, and you might not think it's a good fit, and they might decide it is. Now, you can just completely leave the whole organization. Right. Sure. But um, but they were a little more directed, and, and that had its ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they just assigned somebody somewhere because they needed something done, I think, and it wasn't the right fit. It wasn't good. Uh, but other times, somebody would have bailed when they shouldn't have bailed because they were, you know, they just didn't trust the Lord in this area or whatever, and, the, and that structure said, no, you, you can't, actually. This is, you, you need to stay uh, and fulfill your calling here, and that was for the best. But, but yeah, many denominations and, you know, don't really exercise right. that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that the church is a body, and it's the body of Christ all over the place, right? right? All over the world, through all time and space. This is the right. body, and a body functions together. And yet we, and I often hear people say, well, there's so much disunity, and there's so many people that are, right. you know, so many denominations, and so nobody knows what's true. But in some ways, that's part of, I think, the functioning of a body, which is there are these, you know, Presbyterians yep. over here and these Baptists over here and these independents over here and somehow they sure. all they all form the body of Christ. Yes. And so um and then And they're all contributing. They're they're balancing each other out and challenging each right, other on right. things, which people see as just just division. But I mean that's I think mean, that's come on, that's every nation, right? right? Like you've got people with different points of view, and if one of them just went their own their own way, it would drive the country in one you know, right. probably not the best direction, right. but the push-pull and the different perspectives and, and having to work that out. And I think that does happen in the broader – I mean, how many times have the – I mean, let's just take a an issue like baptism itself and what that means for, you know, if you're a Christian or not, right? Or, right. or the the push-pull between, like, the, the Presbyterians and the, and the Reformed uh, and the Baptists on that has probably sharpened each – and softened each other's perspectives. They've because you know you have to answer to each other. Like, so are you saying that you know that a kid is a Christian just because they've been baptized? And the Christian reform go, well, I don't, I can't quite go there. And then the Baptists go, you know, and you know, and they go, well, that's why we don't we don't baptize them. And then you go, so are you saying that when this kid's born, 
Like he's not, you know, able to, he, he, he's not in the, in the people of God. He's not a part of the community. And they go, well, I'm not quite ready to say that. And they, and they, they work out each other's stuff. And yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that I would say is that denominations, uh, they were the, like for the Wesleyans and the Calvinists, they, they, they had a good dialogue. There was a good dialogue. I think modernism is what has destroyed more of our our church in the sense that we're all bought into one way. We've looked for success mm. instead of authenticity in our belief and identity. Yeah. And dialogue that way. So now we're trying to we really got into the form of things. Yeah. And so even when you were talking about the Pentecostal like thing or the free Methodist thing or the the Church of God, those are they all have forms. Yeah. And they're but now they've all kind of tried to move those forms to the same thing. Because and a lot of them just look the same with yes. slightly different um you know, like the Pentecostal versus the the Wesleyan, you know, it's like they kind of just look like mega churches or the ones that sprouted up ten years ago or whatever. Just that the church looks the same. One just happens to have speaking in tongues, and the other doesn't. Right. One's but French other, vanilla. One's regular. But vanilla. the rest of it is all just right. sort of we're doing the well, the same. And part of that is there's the Greek mind and the Hebrew mind, right? So the Greek mind says there's one right answer, and we get to that point where there's just one right answer. So there's one right answer on baptism. There's one right answer on everything, and so we operate out of the Greek mind. The Hebrew mind could hold two things that seemed right. opposite and hold them in tension and believe them both and that was okay. The like, sovereignty of God and human responsibility. Exactly. It doesn't have to be thing. one or the it other. It doesn't is it isn't one it is not yeah. one of those one or the other. But but in our culture right. we have decided that there's just one right way. Right. And so <clears throat> we have a meme about it and we you know and we scream it from the rooftops and we <laughs> we have meme theology. <laughs> meme theology we do. That's and, a thing. And then and that's why you get labeled as the second you join a denomination Oh, now you're this, and you're this, and you're this, and you're this, and therefore you can't ever break out of that. Whereas I can say, I can hold the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man right. in tension and live in both of those worlds. And I think it's I think it's going to become increasingly the case. I, I think I've known some people in denominations who they just kind of didn't talk about their difference with the denomination. They just didn't bring it up because they went, you know what, there's a structure here. I think it's probably for the best, so I just won't really bring up this thing I disagree right. about. I think that's going to have to be dropped to some because I think for for denominations to be healthy and th- there's just they're going to have to be able to talk about the the differences within their midst and say look we're unified on enough here and and I think they do that but that's going to be increasingly the case I think is it's you're going to have to be deciding is you know are we willing to to speak honestly about the differences within our own midst um, and and decide, you know, to, to break unity as little as possible, or you know, right. So, hey, uh, we're uh, we're like forty eight minutes in, and, and uh, <laughs> I think that's probably enough. Um, who who really wanted to talk about denominations anyway? If you even clicked on this, I'm I'm thrilled. So if you made it this far, thanks. Yeah, and uh, maybe we could just say things like Rob Bell. Yeah. Jordan Peterson. And now we can and put those or, in the title. Or, or more or, importantly, Eric's Peanut Butter Burgers. Eric's Peanut that Butter That will be the title. Denominations <laughs> yeah. and Eric's Peanut Butter Perfect. Burgers, Perfect. Of which I've never had before. <laughs> so thanks for joining us, Rod. Thanks for coming on. Uh, the Denominational Man. All right. Great. So, hey, so before we, we actually 
close, let's get a couple of voiceovers from Rod. Oh. So can you do me a few, few things and say, what I want you to say is something like, here's Andy and Eric, and then say something goofy about us. And then say, here's Andy and Eric. And I'm just going to have a whole bunch of, like, you know, Rod-isms at the beginning of our... So go for it. Just give us whatever you want to say. 